Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The arsonist has been ID'd and apparently charged. You're going to face misdemeanor criminal charges. The guy who tried to light, or no, sorry, the guy who tried to kick over a Trump sign up in Raleigh on some guy's property, right up next to his house, a guy by the name of John Kane. Uh, I told you the story yesterday. He has the sign posted at his house. It's a big sign, big banner sign. It's like, it says Trump won. And it's pretty close to his house to the point where he's got an American flag that is hanging off of the, the front of his house. And it's kind of near the sign. So close to the sign, in fact, that when the arsonist wearing the, the bicycling attire showed up in the middle of the night, the dark of night, you might say, to light the thing on fire, he tried to move the flag aside. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the leftist arsonist, he, I mean, he wasn't down with burning the American flag, I guess, to his credit, I guess. I don't know. But he burnt the Trump one sign, not once, but twice. I mentioned this story yesterday in that uh, the guy apparently was busted by Internet sleuths who used an app that people willingly, I don't know why, but they voluntarily give this app permission to track their movements when they go on their runs and they go on their bike rides and the app gives them a map of it. And that map is apparently able to be seen by everybody. And so this this bicycling arsonist, a, a, a barsonist, a, a, a bicycle arsonist, anyway... He, uh, yeah, he apparently used the app. And so some guy in Lodi, California, figured it out using the app, figured out this guy was the arsonist because he was at the site on all three occasions. The first time he rides his bicycle up, and this is like broad daylight, he rides up, you could see him in the picture or in the video because the, the homeowner, John Kane, who, by the way, ran for... North Carolina Republican Party chairman a couple months ago lost to Michael Watley, but he ran for the office and um, he set up a video camera on his sign. And I guess that's what you need to do if you put up a sign that says Trump won. I guess you have to expect people to come by and and set it on fire or try to steal it, you know, whatever. This is happening all over the place. The party of tolerance is, oh, not so tolerant on signs on your property that say things with which they disagree. And so you kind of have it coming, you know, wearing that short miniskirt and all. So uh, this guy rides up broad daylight and uh, he's got the his bicycle, from what I understand, it's valued at like almost $7,000. So privilege. And he takes his little tap dance shoes, those little bicycling shoes, whatever those are. Uh, and he, you know, he takes it out and he starts kicking at the sign. He's kicking it, kicking it. And he didn't get off of the bike. So he just kind of leaned off to the side, you know, and he unclicked one of his 
One of his shoes, well, I guess he did both of his shoes because he put his other foot on the ground and he just kind of sidekicks the thing and he can't kick the sign over. So kudos to John Kane and his engineering abilities and erecting a sign that is not easily kickoverable. And so he kicks and kicks and, and he, he can't knock it down. So the little bad wolf leaves, he comes back, and this time it's like 4 a.m. He's still dressed in his bicyclist uniform. And uh, he lights the sign on fire with one of those long, you know, grill lighters, you know, with the extended tip thing, you know, so he lights it on fire. John Kane replaces the sign. The guy comes back a couple days later, which was only like, I don't know, less than a week ago, comes back for the third time, lights the sign on fire again. And again, the house, the, the house is right next to this sign. So the family is there sleeping. The guy could have set fire to the hall because the flag was right there and had the sign caught fire in such a way that it caught the flag on fire, it very well could have set the house on fire. And so John Kane put out, a, a, a I think he offered like a $1,000 reward. And then two other people, Benny Johnson, Tim Poole, these two guys are influencers and uh, you know conservative uh, pundits, if you will, although Tim Pool's not really conservative, but he, he does his own pod, Tim Cast, the podcast. And so they each offered five grand. So this guy has collected, this guy out in California who wishes to remain anonymous so nobody burns his house down um, in a you know fiery but mostly peaceful protest. But the, uh, the, the reward money has been paid out. $11,000 this guy got. And he was, so not only did he use the app, but he also was able to identify the guy. I think the guy's name is coincidentally White. His name is White. Jim White, I think it is. He um, he had a tattoo on his forearm, on his left forearm, a very odd looking tattoo, very unique. And so you can see it in the video camera footage from John Kane's house of the arson attacks. And you can also see it on the guy's Facebook page because he posts pictures of himself riding his bicycle. So there he is with the bike in the uniform with the tattoo and the the um, the app that tracks his movements. And so all of this information got turned over to the Wake County District Attorney, Lauren Freeman. And she is apparently saying that he's going to face misdemeanor criminal charges. Misdemeanor criminal charges. Local GOP activist and businessman John Kane posted the footage on social media showing the man cycling past his house, stopping by the sign, which read Trump won, and trying to take it down. He tried to kick it, actually. An initial video showed the man kicking the sign, while subsequent videos showed what appeared to be the same man lighting the original sign and a replacement sign on fire. Freeman told the McClatchy paper in Raleigh, the News and Observer, that her office was in the process of serving the man in the video with two counts of misdemeanor injury to real property. A spokesman for the Raleigh Police Department, who apparently, unlike our police department in Charlotte, still actually does discuss things with the media, they say that they are aware of the incidents and they are investigating them. Freeman says... She could not identify the man being charged until the charges have been served. But it seems like his name is Jim White. So, um, 
We'll see. Now, it's got some people questioning why it's just a misdemeanor. And that's a good question. Is it possible that this arsonist is actually Hunter Biden? Is that, that's possible. You never know. You, maybe he knows Hunter Biden. Maybe he is an associate. David says he... Okay, hang on a second. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. How are you? Pete, I'm fine. It's a great show. Thank you, sir. Hey, listen, I know the secret identity of the... Uh, of the guy that um, figured out who the arsonist was. Really? Yes. It's one of the members of CCR, because, you know, they were stuck in Lodi. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, David. I appreciate all it. Right. Well, I don't even know who all is. It's probably Fogarty. Right? John Fogarty? Probably so. What else we got? Oh, you remember the story of the judge in Charlotte? that assaulted a delivery driver in the, the parking deck at the courthouse. Remember that story? Her name was Kimberly Best, who was not following the advice of former First Lady Melania when she was advising people to be best. This advice was, went unheeded by Kimberly Best. Maybe she thought she already was best, and so she didn't need to behave better. I don't know, but... Remember, this came from uh, an incident last summer, July of 2022. She was then, by the way, uh, thrown out of office. Uh, she lost her reelection. But she is now suing the former Superior Court Judge Lisa Bell, who, who retired as well. So Best and Bell, okay? Best is suing Bell because Bell... Filed the complaint? She says, quote, Defendant Lisa Bell did intentionally, negligently, and or recklessly cause the statements she made to become known by the publication of the false and defamatory statement by publishing further defamatory statements against the plaintiff relating to the facts of this complaint and or republished by various news outlets, WBTV and CQ Times, causing further harm to plaintiff's reputation personally and in her profession. By the way, Kimberly Best is representing herself. Well, you know what they say. When you represent yourself, you have... Okay. WBTV first reported about the incident shortly after it happened. Best got into a heated argument with a delivery driver in the parking garage at the courthouse. Security guards, sheriff's office uh, deputies were there. Uh, they say uh, it started when Best tried to drive around a delivery truck that was parked at a loading dock and Best scratched her Porsche SUV. Judge Best said the delivery driver tried to take her picture of her vehicle uh, and uh, she blocked that by slapping at her phone, which I think is assault. I think that's assault. But Judge Best says that's not assault and by Bell filing the complaint about that, calling it assault, that was defamatory. <laughs> this was a judge. This woman was a judge. WBTV has also learned that Best is under investigation by the North Carolina Judicial Standards Commission related to the incident. Uh, it is not clear whether it has finished its investigation. Come on, ju well, former judge. Just be best. 
All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturette organize the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings education and vendors from all over to help people do just that. I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? All right, what else we got going on? Oh, Shannon Bray. Do you remember Shannon Bray? Shannon Bray was um, the Libertarian candidate who ran for U.S. Senate of in North Carolina twice, actually, but the, the last time was in the race against uh, Sherry Beasley and Ted Budd. He came in third. But, um, yeah, we had him. Remember, we had him and the Green Party candidate, Matthew Ho. We had Bray and Ho uh, on for a debate on this program one day. Uh, during the the last election. Well, Shannon Bray is in the news now for not a good reason. Three separate arrests in one week. He is running for governor right now. As a libertarian, he's running for North Carolina governor. Uh, He lives in Apex, although according to our friend A.P. Dillon, uh, in her uh, More to the Story substack publication that she does, which you can subscribe to, more to the story by A.P. Dillon. And uh, she says it's considered by most residents to be actually Holly Springs, but technically Apex. Police records show the 51-year-old Bray is accused of growing pot inside his house. I would, n- would never, of all the things a libertarian candidate would... He was also charged with assaulting his wife, threatening his wife, and violating a protective order put in place after the arrest for the assault and the threats. So he's got, yeah, he's got, um, on August 13th, he's got a communicating threats charge and assault on a female charge. The next day, he has a manufacture marijuana charge, and then two days after that, he's got the uh, violation of the domestic violence protective order. The Wake County Libertarian Party apparently issued a statement to WRAL News that said, quote, we're following the case closely. We believe in an individual's right to due process and a fair trial and will believe for the truth to be highlighted. I don't know if that's a typo or what, but that's. It's in quotes. I don't know. That's what they said. And we'll believe for the truth to be highlighted. All right. Bray has not yet issued a formal statement about the arrests. On a related note, the chair of the Wake County Libertarian Party, Travis Grew, is running for the Holly Springs Town Council. Bray announced a bid for North Carolina governor in May of this year. Um, Another libertarian, Michael Ross, is also in the race. So if you're a libertarian, you're actually going to get a primary to vote in. For the gubernatorial race. Maybe. I mean, I assume it's... I mean, Bray's on the ballot. I assume he can't get off now, but... uh, 
So far, his latest campaign finance report shows $982 in donations, uh, all from himself. So there's your update. Oh, speaking of uh, the gubernatorial race in North Carolina, WRAL also has a story about Mark Robinson's financial woes. Apparently, they got he and his wife, Robinson, they got evicted and they stiffed the landlord. That's the latest story. I'll give you the details so you're aware. Up next. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. So in uh, 2012, according to a piece by Will Duran at WRAL, Will, uh, in 2012, Kermit Robinson's life was turning upside down. His wife, Margaret, was on her deathbed with cancer, and his tenants in a middle-class Greensboro home quit paying their rent, causing him to lose not only money, but also time dealing with the legal proceedings. He ended up getting his tenants evicted after they never showed up to the court hearing, that according to public records. And a decade later, he says they've still never paid him the $2,000 in question. In some ways, it's an ordinary tale of hardships many North Carolinians have experienced from one side or the other. But in one big way, it's not ordinary at all. Those former tenants could be North Carolina's next governor and first lady. To say it was COVID, that's all just. What? Nobody cared about all of the landlords that weren't getting paid during the lockdowns nobody cared about all of those landlords and look a lot of these landlords that got screwed over the most were the people that just had a house and they were renting out you know old family house they lived someplace else and so they kept this one property as a as an income generating property and then covid hits and they're like oh i don't have to pay rent anymore rent freeze eviction moratorium But it was 2012, so I don't think that'll fly. Um, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, a leading Republican candidate for governor, has been open about some of his past financial struggles, which include criminal convictions for writing bad checks, plus multiple bankruptcies and liens for tens of thousands of dollars in unpaid taxes, rent and car payments. And some of those debts have been paid. While Robinson is hoping his own hard times make him more relatable to some voters, he is also not struggling anymore. He has earned more than $350,000 from his taxpayer-funded salary since taking office in 2021. His political supporters have also given millions of dollars to his campaign, money that Robinson and his wife Yolanda Hill have reportedly used in the past 
to buy thousands of dollars worth of new clothing. So just let me tell you what's going on here. I mean, I, I don't have any reason to doubt. They've, they've got comments from Kermit Robinson, who is not related to Mark and Yolanda. Um, there are a couple things. Um, and, and by the way, some of this is happening right now with the debate tomorrow night. And this is standard, okay? Standard operating procedure in politics is the day before a debate, day of a debate, you drop a bombshell story based on opposition research. You've been sitting there, you've been, you know, holding it, and you want to put this out, particularly when it comes to the debate, you want to put it out the day before or the day of, because that ensures that you're going to get a question asked of the candidate on the stage, which might be, by the way, why Trump isn't going to the debate, right? But that is standard. That happens all the time. Day before, day of a debate, stories get planted in the media, and then uh, the the moderators at the debate feel like they have to ask them about this, this story that broke today, right? The other thing here is that Mark Robinson has a lot of financial problems in his past. And the left and the media, but I repeat myself, and his Republican opponents, they believe that if people are made aware of all of these issues, it will help to deflate the Robinson candidacy. Now, Robinson believes that these things make him relatable. And Will Duran is correct in that. Like, that's the play. Like, you can't, you can't deny these things occurred, so what you do is you try to turn them into a positive for yourself, right? You say, look, I, I'm, I'm a regular man, I'm an everyman, and so obviously, like, uh, I had these problems, I lost my job at the, uh, at the factory, at the furniture factory, right, when he lost his, his job. But he's got a lot of bankruptcies. And... You want this stuff out in the primary so you can put it away. You can, you can tamp it down. Now, whether that's successful or not remains to be seen in this case and in all cases, right? But for this case specifically, we don't know if it'll work. But there are you know, two lines of thinking on this is that you, know, you, you, you hope it, it doesn't get uncovered or you hang a lantern on it. You say, okay, this is going to come out. We know it's going to come out. We know the Democrats have it. They're going to use it against me in the general election. So let's go ahead and get it out now, early enough, where we can then respond to it and then tamp it down. And then this way, when Democrats, when we go into the general election, if Robinson's the nominee, which, you know, the polling looks like he will be, but I don't know. So then you go into the general and he can say, oh, that's old news. We already addressed that. you got to rehash this stuff from the past, right? You, th- so that's sort of the, the two-step that you do. And I'm not, like, I'm not attacking Robinson on this. I'm just saying this is the strategy because you can't make the past go away. It happened. There are public records about it. And obviously, WRAL was digging into the public records. Now, whether or not they did it on their own or they got tipped off by, you know, the Dale Falwell campaign, the Mark Walker campaign, or Democrats— don't know. Maybe it was just, you know, going through all of the prior court documents that Mark Robinson has ever had against him or something, and maybe they just found it on their own. But my guess, my hunch is this was oppo research that was given to um, that was given to WREL to cover. That's my bet.
because that's usually how it happens. <laughs> right? It's usually somebody else who doesn't like that candidate, so they give the, the oppo hit to the media, and the media does the story. And then, by the way, the opponent gets to then take, the, um, uh, take that story and use it in their ads, right? That's how that works. Okay, so Kermit Robinson, the old landlord, he says everybody goes through hard times at some point. The quality of a person is, once they've gone through that, do they try to rectify their situation? So here's my question for you. If you're Mark Robinson in this situation, do you pay back Kermit Robinson? Do you pay back your old landlord for the $2,000 that you owed him? You got evicted. You didn't show up in court. The court just said you're out, but they never forced the landlord to get paid back, and and the landlord never pursued it. So do you just say, oh, well, wash my hands of it, I skate, or do you go and give him the money back? Do you say, you know what, I'm in a better position now, obviously I'm lieutenant governor, I've got the cash, here you go. Sorry about that. Do you do that? What would you do? I feel like I'd pay it back. But I know I could say that because like, I'm in a position where I don't have to worry about that because I've never been evicted. But I try, like, I try to pay back, I've never declared bankruptcy, I've, I've thought about it in the past. Anyway, I'm just kind of curious. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Do you think he benefits from paying it back or not? Do you think he gets more grief if he tries to pay it back? I don't know. I think I think the gesture would be, if, if done in good faith, I think it would be politically beneficial. And I think ethically so, too. So, yeah, we're talking about Mark Robinson. If you are Mark Robinson, lieutenant governor, running for governor, do you pay back the rent that you got evicted over 10 years ago. Cause that's what the WRAL story is about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, Mark Robinson and his wife got evicted for failure to pay and they never paid the landlord back. Kermit Robinson, who was not related to the Lieutenant governor, but he was the landlord. He said, he's not going public to try to get paid or for partisan political motives He's, he says he's 84 years old. He's been a Democrat since he first registered to vote 63 years ago. But he said these days he considers himself a Democrat in name only and votes for Republicans if he thinks they're the best candidate. Most important to him, he says, is that voters know about Mark Robinson's history. When they were evicted in 2012, court records show, the judge only ordered them to get out, not to also repay the money. Kermit Robinson acknowledged that he could have pursued the back rent further in court, but he said it would have taken even more time, and in his experience as a landlord, it's just usually a waste of time. His wife ended up dying a few weeks later, and he was distracted, or consumed, I would say, by that as well. Mark Robinson's communications director told WRAL, it is not Mark Robinson's fault that his landlord did not do what he needed to do to get a court order for the money, Quote, the court did not order for Kermit Robinson to recover any rent or damages. There is a legal process for that, and the landlord did not pursue it within the statute of limitations. That's a fair point, right? That's a fair point. But now, if you're Mark Robinson in this race, do you pay it back? Do you try to pay it back and make the thing go away? Um... One message here I got uh, from Mark, not Mark Walker. Uh, Mark says, an honorable, an honorable person would pay it back. 
Here's another message uh, from Gary who says, I did not know people were supposed to pay back fees after being evicted. I thought the eviction was the end. But I, for one, hope that WRAL and the left disparages all black people that have ever been evicted. Well, I mean, they're not going to disparage all black people. But, but look, the message is going to be conveyed here. If Josh Stein is on the stage against Mark Robinson attacking him for not paying after being evicted, right, the, 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 the message comes across. That's a tough spot for Stein to be in. He of the, uh, the private schooling and such, you know, born with the silver spoon in his mouth. Um, Gary says, if I'm Robinson, I go, yeah, I'm an everyday man. I was laid off after my job left North Carolina, like thousands of others under NAFTA. I'm not an elite lawyer son like Josh Stein. Right. Um, then there is this to Pete at the Pete If I were in a stable position, I would pay it back, but then, uh, I would try real hard not to default in the first place, but times and conditions were different for me. When I was single and living on my own, I did not always have food. I didn't always have power, but I always paid my rent. When I was married with a family to support, after I was laid off in 2010, I used every connection I had. I worked up to 11 part-time jobs at a time, and I have tax forms to prove it, by the way. I worked every day I could find work. I worked out of town, missing time with my family. Not everybody has the options that I had, but when you are a stable when you're in a stable position in life and you're looking to be a leader in the state, pay your damn bills. Should not even be a question. I admit this will make it very hard for me to cast my vote for Robinson. Now, that's interesting. So I wonder if he pays it, if he pays it back, does that then, does that change your mind? Because he could say, oh, I, I didn't know. I wasn't aware. I didn't remember. No, I didn't know, but I didn't remember. He has filed for bankruptcy protection at least four times three times personally, once for a business, and he has a record of other financial troubles that led to criminal and civil actions against him. And he recently said that he had cleared up his financial issues. Um, he got presented with the documents indicating that he owed county property taxes from 06 and 2018, which seemed to surprise him. And he said, well, my wife typically handles the taxes. He says, quote, when you start talking about taxes, if I'm the guy doing them, somebody's going to jail. <laughs> Which I think it probably means him, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for today. I appreciate you hanging out. Brett Winterbull's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.